Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us, and God is not true. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet, from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Good morning and welcome to Zero Today. I am your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with teas of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation. We are promoting a knowledge that is engaging and transforming, and we are here to empower you, our listeners, to knowing, being, and impacting the world around you. And as always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. Several ways you can do that. Primary way is to, uh, there's a number you can call, 347-237-5230. That is the number to call to get your thoughts on the air if you'd like to do that. Um, also, the chat room is open, so you can go to uh, Block Talk Radio Zero today and get in on the chat room. Also, you can follow us on our Facebook page, Zero Network on Facebook. Go there, like that page, listen to archive shows. Um, we've been blessed to do this for the last seven years, so we're excited about that. Um, follow us up on Twitter, at Zero, at Zero Radio. That is the handle for Twitter, and my personal handle is at Prophesy, P-R-O-P-H-E-P-S-I, as in Kappa Kappa Psi. <laughs> um, also, you can hit us up, uh, hit me up on my email, PastorLorenzoDeal at gmail.com. Any other ways we are available, we are here. Visit my website, LorenzoTNeal.com. I got to update that, as a matter of fact. So I'll probably be trying to update that soon. I've been incognito for <laughs> so while. But anyway, it is uh, – I hope everybody had a wonderful 4th of July holiday. It's always interesting, you know, <laughs> some of the comments I've been seeing uh, in this – and this year regarding the 4th of July, and I'll talk a little bit about that. But I don't want to get ahead of it myself. But uh, it's always a wonderful time. I enjoyed it. I had the opportunity to go home and visit and just kind of lounge around and see friends and loved ones. And I try to do that as often as I can. But um, it's a wonderful opportunity. I'm glad that I had the chance to do that. I hope that you had the chance to do that today. Uh, so we're going to be talking about um, the freedom to be free, you know, the biblical limitations to uh, religious freedom. Uh, or to Christian freedom in particular. And by that, I mean, you know, what can and can't we do uh, while we're so giddy on celebrating things that we probably shouldn't be engaged in? So we're going to talk about that. Uh, but before we go any further, let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we bless you. We thank you for today. This is the day you've made. We rejoice and we're glad in it. We thank you, O oh God, for allowing us to be able to be in this this uh program. Now let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your son. We ask this in your son's name. Amen. So I have been out um, and haven't been doing a live show uh, for the last several weeks. I've been traveling. 
you know, it is conference season, convention season for uh, most uh, reformations. So summer season, you know, get a lot done, a lot of uh, summer meetings. And so uh, that's where I've been engaged in. But I've had the time to read a lot. And I want to give uh, Zan Brock, who is the uh, owner and um, blog owner of uh, the old black if you haven't visited that site, I strongly encourage you. I get a lot of insight from, you know, from that site, um, largely because, um, you know, she, she does – on her site, she does a lot more church gossip, and she actually tries to engage listeners, I mean followers on her site. Um, so I'm putting a plug in from Ms. Brock. Ms. Brock, uh, I appreciate you. Um, I keep abreast of a lot of things that's going on uh, around in the church world. Both black and white church world, Protestant, Catholic, all of it. She does a wonderful job. Um, but I, I, on this past um, weekend, we learned of the passing of Bishop Frank Summerfield. Now, if you're not familiar with Bishop Frank Summerfield, he had a, a thriving church in uh, Smithfield, North Carolina. I think that's right. Um, um, Riley, Riley, North Carolina, but. It's, I had a friend that lived in the suburban area around there, and I had the opportunity to attend his church on several occasions, and uh, I had the opportunity to meet him, and he was very, very – he and his wife, very, very uh, relatable people. I really – I was glad to be in their presence. You know, they weren't um, people that you – they weren't the type of pastors. He wasn't the type of pastor that you couldn't approach, even as a visiting guest pastor who – has no name, he still recognized me, you know, he was able to he, he, he like, okay, nice to meet you, I'm glad, praying for your ministry that kind of thing, I, it was wonderful to be received by him, but he uh, he has accepted not accepted, he has transitioned from this life and is now resting with the ancestors um, he was the pastor of uh, Word of God Fellowship there in uh, North Carolina and um, he will be greatly missed he influenced that community in many ways, not just on the spiritual. Now, I, I didn't agree with all of his teachings. I can say that, uh, 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 but a lot of his teaching was really practical, mixed in with word of faith and uh, you know that the prosperity gospel a little bit. I understand that to a degree, uh, what works for you works. Um, but what I do appreciate is he didn't manipulate. Well, I won't say he manipulated he did benefit from it of course all of us pastors who are in ministry in a, in a way fit from what we teach uh but he didn't you know he didn't use that to um take advantage of those he served um uh, he had wealth and you know when you do that that's what you you know you accumulate wealth um but again most of his teaching was really practical it's insightful it helped me um, and you know, I'm when it comes to preachers, <laughs> you know, I don't just listen to everybody. I I'm very very critical, even when I'm sitting in the pulpit listening to myself. You know, when I listen to my own sermons and stuff like that. But the real reality is, you know, he connected with people on another level. So pray for his wife and their family, and pray for uh, the Word of God Fellowship Church there, um, in North Carolina. He's gonna be definitely he's going to be missed um uh something else i was coming across uh oh yeah um in the last few weeks um pastor fred price jr who is the son of dr fred uh apostle fred price wherever he's going by he's the son of fred price senior and the pastor of chris you know the uh, world-renowned Crenshaw Christian Center, or uh, the Faith Dome, as it's come to become known. Um, he he took a sabbatical um, for a moment, and um, you know it came kind of um, it was out of the blue. No one expected. Of course, that's how that's what sabbaticals are. You know, you don't you don't necessarily take a sabbatical because you. Um, you want everybody to know, but you take a sabbatical because you, you need refreshment, renewal, whatever it is. But then um, he later comes and um, he makes this announcement to the church uh, 
and I tried to download um, the audio for it um, when he announced to the church. And in his announcement to the church as to why he he chose to step down, or he was he was stating that he was stepping down um, as pastor of Christian Christian Center, and that his parents uh, would be uh, returning to active ministry in that uh, capacity as pastor. But he mentioned he mentioned that um, the reason he was stepping down was because of some um, bad personal judgments. And of course, in, immediately, everyone wanted to assume uh, that it had to do with some type of infidelity. And that may be the case. It, that may be the case. Um, um, however, and if that is the case, it is great that he is stepping down. That's that's noble of him. Then he also mentioned that he'll be under restoration, um, the plan of restoration from his father and uh, others, I suppose. Um, and and, and uh, people just say that you know whatever he did, his dad is kind of punishing him and making him step down. Uh, but it was clear from the video, and you can probably find it on Facebook. Uh, I mean YouTube. Is, I, I am quite sure. That is out there somewhere. Um, but I could sense the depth of his hurt, whatever the, the personal misjudgments were. I can see the depth of how it impacted him personally. Um, and I'm sure it impacted his family, primarily his wife and his children. Um, so I, I've never been so quick to dump, jump on a pastor for whatever indiscretion they may have done because I know, and I've confessed this before, I know what it's like to have been in inappropriate relations, to have imp- you know, personal misjudgments <laughs> as a young preacher. And I've been doing this for 25 years, and as a young pastor in my 20s, I was graced to have a congregation, not just, not just leadership, but the congregation itself helped me be aware of inappropriateness on on my part. Now it wasn't bad, you know, but they just knew enough to say and cared enough to me to say, Pastor, we see where it's going, and we don't want you to go that way. And I, I to this day, I am so grateful for them. I'm also so grateful for my leaders, you know, <laughs> um, because they they. Some of them bore the example of what personal, you know, bad personal judgments can result in. And so I was able to have wonderful mentors and congregations. And even now here at the the church where I currently serve, I'm able to be welcomed and loved and accepted in my my flaws. So I'm not quick to throw throw fire or judgment on anyone. Um, But I... You know, I, I I saw watching the video how hurt. I mean, man was brought to tears, and he was acting. He was doing a wonderful job acting, and whatever whatever the personal uh, the uh, the bad personal judgment was, the fact that he was um, very 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 um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, repentant is probably was. Uh, but definitely, definitely remorseful that he had to stand before his congregation. Now, I pray I never have to do that, and I'm not sure if I would do that. I, if if there were any anything to me, I don't know if I, I I would reveal it to my leaders, but I don't know if I would, you know. I don't know. I I, I just I just hope I never get into that situation. And I I pray for pastors who are or have been. You know, we talk about restoration. You know, what is it? How long should it be to restore a leader who has fallen? There's several several articles you can read about that, uh, and one in particular, um, I read from Christianity Today, and I can't remember exactly when. I have to go back and look at it. But you know, we're so quick, especially in the um, evangelical Christian world, we're so quick to denounce leaders who have fallen, primarily. Because of sexual indiscretion, and I attribute this, and this is just me, I attribute this largely because of our this great sense of sexual repression. You know, if we were a bit open, a little less repressed sexually, if we were 
if we really celebrated sex like what it is and stopped trying to uh, not stop trying to repress it now. Now I'm not talking about you know just go out and do it, but I'm talking about you know at least talk about it, at least be open and be honest that this happens. You know that there and it's nothing new. This is as as far as time has gone back, men in leadership have fallen into sexual um, sexual sin. Is, is nothing new. That's why Paul talks about Corinthians. It have it's happening. It's been happening in the church, in leadership in the church, for a century. So it's nothing new. And for us uh, to not deal with the issue head on, I think that's part of the, that's what contributes to the shame that it has. Now, at the same time, you know, if we do commit sexual sin publicly. If it brings public shame, then yes, we ought to be, you know, we ought to do something publicly to um, to address it. Um, you know, maybe that, maybe that didn't sound right. <laughs> I, but what my point is, watching him, watching Fred Price Jr. with his wife standing behind beside him, address his congregational his congregation so emotionally. Um. It almost moved me to tears, but I but I also understand the pressures of being a pastor, especially in a pastor. You know, you have a uh, multi-ethnic, intergenerational um, megachurch that you pastor. You're the son of one of the most famous preachers in America, black preachers in particular in America, and one of the wealthiest maybe. You're also bearing the brunt of trying to um, connect generations you know because you have those who who were with your father from the start and you're raised up and you're young you you're trying to reach the millennial and hip-hop generation and you know and you have the burdens of caring for your parents who were both ailing you know and you have the, you bear the burden quite a bit i can understand that i, I really do and i can see uh now i'm and I also understand, you know, how people in general, both men and women, because nowadays <laughs> it ain't just women who throw themselves at the pastor. It ain't just women anymore. <laughs> it hasn't happened to me. I'm just saying that it's not the case anymore. You know, it's just, it just used to be uh, just the woman the men had to be afraid of. But now it's men that the men have to be afraid of also. But I, I had to say that the reality is that we we are fully aware, most of us, when we come into this role, we are fully aware of the traps the enemy tries to ensnare us with. And oftentimes we, you know, we, we frolic out there testing the water to see how far we can go before we're drawn back. And I know that's my case. That's, that's the case for me. I, I've done it a more than enough occasion and I can admit that, you know. I've gone out and see how far I can go before I actually fall into sexual temptation or fall into sexual sin. And <laughs> you'd be surprised how 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 far you test yourself to see how you can go, you know. And that that doesn't please God. We um I can go on and on about that. I don't need to be doing that. But anyway, pray for Fred Price Junior and his family. Um, there's there's a lot, and you know, it's 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 just just I think because you know he he's who he is that is drawing a lot of attention. But the reality is is that it's happening across the gamut in um, contemporary church, uh, black, white, it doesn't matter. It's 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 just one of those things that that as pastors. We believe sometimes that we're almost invincible to, and we find ourselves not, or we believe ourselves not really, you know, going to go that far, or it's not going to happen to us, or because we have a stable family life, we have a stable spiritual life, that the adversary can throw all the fiery darts that he wants, and our shield of faith is going to deter them, but we also realize, you know, that the enemy sometimes in our own house, you know, when the oppression from or the pressures from family life, you know, 
You have the outside pressures of the world. You have the inside pressures of the church, and then the uh, the inner pressures of the home, and that all complicates, you know. So just pray for him, and not just him, but preachers like myself and others, you know, who wrestle with this daily. So I didn't mean to spend so much time on that. Um, there were several other things <laughs> I wanted to get to, but um, that's just one thing. So um, uh, let me move on. Uh, one more thing. Um, you know what? No. Um, uh, anyway, let me. <laughs> I just saw something else. We'll scroll down. Um, the old black church, wanting to buy them, has all these degrees now. <laughs> and I'm looking and I'm like, you know what? I just I I guess I've already opened the door. You know, she's selling she got grad graduation certification, the four degrees, Bachelor of Ministry in Business Administration, Master of Ministry in Business Administration, Doctor of Philosophy and Theology, uh and full a doctorate of theology. All of this came from one seminary. One one school Christian Theological Seminary in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Now, <laughs> all all of these are from one degree, one school, and um, those of us who actually earn degrees, <laughs> yeah, that you know what, bless her, uh, ambassador, bishop, what. Whatever she's going by right now, bless her. It's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. I'll celebrate her. It is what it is. I'm going to take a quick break, and when I get back from the break, we're going to get into the topic of the day. And the topic of the day is uh, religious freedom. And by religious freedom, I mean, uh, do we really have the freedom to be free? And since we just came back from a celebration of our independence, just wanted to talk about it, you know, and do we have biblical limitations? Of course we do. So take this break and I'll be right back. We've seen almost everything, so we know how to cover almost anything, even mermuts. And we covered it February 3rd, 2016. Talk to farmers. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. At Farmers, we've seen almost everything, so we know how to cover almost anything, even mermuts. And we covered it February 3rd, 2016. Talk to farmers. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum.
Welcome back to Zero Day. Again, I'm your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, and happy post-Independence Day to you. <laughs> uh, so let me get right into this topic that I was uh, I, I want to address. Um, and let me, let me explain um, how I came to this. Um, I was in a discussion yesterday, uh, just, you know, family talk. You know how it is. We talk about Independence Day and of course, a lot of people are talking about, well, you know, blacks weren't free, and so we really shouldn't celebrate Independence Day. And I, I have to counter that argument and say, well, actually, there were more free blacks during this time of independence. There were a lot of free blacks up in that area, you know, in what we now consider the you know, metro area, DMV area. There were a lot of free blacks, and there were some blacks who owned slaves. Um, you know, they didn't own hundreds, maybe two or three, some who had indentured servants. Um, and I think about the founder of African Methodism, Richard Allen, was a free black man. He purchased his own freedom by the time of the uh, War of Independence, and he was also assisting others. There's Benjamin Banneker. Um, there were was, there was so many who were free. So the argument uh, – that, that's not a good argument to say that all blacks or blacks weren't free. Um, during this time, there were free blacks, and um, there were those blacks who fought. Matter of fact, we historic history acknowledges the fact that um, Crispus Attucks was the was the um, motivating factor. His murder was the motivating factor for getting the war started. You know, he was the first martyr. He was the first person killed by the British. Uh, that served as the uh springboard for revolution. So and um he was free free black. So, you know, that argument is kinda null. However, at the same time, when we fast forward to this day and uh in particularly the idea that much of Western Christianity and particularly uh Southern Christian evangelicals um hold to the notion that America has always been this land of religious freedom, this land of liberty based on uh, biblical principles and faith. And at the same time, we are, we, we've been this, <laughs> this um, obligation of several things. You know, we've never been a completely free land. You know, <laughs> we've never been, you know, we are a land of immigrants. We found it. Um, the, I, I wrote a post some time ago about the reality is that those persons who came from England, those Puritans that we call them, you know, the pilgrims um, that we learn about who landed on Plymouth, Plymouth Rock, uh, they came to escape religious persecution or what they believed to be religious persecution from the Church of England. They wanted to practice their brand of Christianity, which was different from uh, that of the Church of England, it was not as as you know, it wasn't as high church. It was less restrictive. They had more freedoms, you know, um, and so they wanted. They came to the to colonies. They came to this new world, in the hopes of establishing this place as their means of primarily worshiping the way they wanted to. Now, in this twenty first century being challenged and it's being challenged in many ways you know um primarily is being challenged by the idea that religious freedom is specifically for uh christians you know and so you know when <laughs> there's this fear of other races other faiths you know sikh uh islam um um, what a Baha'i! <laughs> when I was in college, we had a Baha'i chapter at our, our college in Baha'i. Basically, they they threw everything in the box, and I never forget Jeff. He was also our RA for the dorm, but he was a master. You know, he was a, a, a the disciple of the school band. Um, there was also one of the professors, and I I went several times because I enjoyed. You know, we always there was food. <laughs> you went anywhere where there was food when you were in college. But um, but in 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 today's in today's religious landscape, there's a there's a fight for the soul of America because there's 
the white evangelical Christian who wants to say that uh, America has always been evangelical Christian. That's not the case. We know that most of the founding fathers were deists. They were not theists. Some were atheists, but uh, most were at best, you know, they just saw the they saw religion as another form of enlightenment, basically. This is during the age of enlightenment and you had those thinkers, you know, their mind was, yes, we we will, you know, we'll we'll acknowledge Christ, we'll acknowledge scripture, we'll acknowledge all of that because we recognize the strength of that in building the country. But at the same time, personally, most of them didn't believe half of what they were saying, you know. Um, even in in putting that in our sacred text of liberty, you know, Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, I call those sacred texts of li- of our liberty um, here in this in this country. They acknowledge the fact that there's a Creator. They acknowledge that men are equal at the same time. They practice otherwise, and so we're seeing that we're seeing we're seeing more of that heightened. In this day of age, day and age, and so um, President Obama didn't—he <laughs> didn't fare well doing it because folk thought he was a Muslim because of you know he had, he, you know he was raised that way, even though he he uh, was converted or seemed to have been converted, and, and then when he, while he was sitting under uh, Dr. Wright Jeremiah White Wright at uh, at Trinity in Chicago and. People were saying, well, well, Dr. Wright is really not a Christian. He's a socialist promoting uh, anti-Christian ideas through black liberation theology. And um, that in it itself cannot be Christianity. It has to be because the idea of socialism involved in it, it has to be is anti-Christian. And um, because of that, you know, and they blasted Dr. Wright <laughs> um, and – then they had the nerve to say that well, actually Obama was a um, a closeted Muslim, and uh, he messed up one time. He messed up one time, and he said uh, being a Muslim then meant Christian, and and they ran with that. Um, and now you have the age of President Trump, where white Christians, for the most part, and there's some black Christians and conservatives and um, um, whatnot pastors who, um, who are. Uh, of like mind who are saying that um, the Christianity has to have a test, a litmus test. You, there are certain things that has to be done to show that you are a true Christian, and largely it's li- aligned with politically political ideology, not necessarily faith, not necessarily scripture, but political ideology. And if you identify with this political ideology, then you are also co-identifying as an authentic. Christian, um, and so when you have persons of um, question, you know, like those who are part of the LGBT, LGBTQIA, and whatever L letters follow that, I think I got them all, but I'm not sure. <laughs> who are saying that they are Christians, even though they are same-sex loving, or they are transgender, or Whatever else they may be, I don't know. And these are quantifiers. You know, they're putting these qualifiers on who they are, you know, what real Christians are. And we do that. We've been doing that um, since the days of Paul. And and I, I particularly want to draw from Paul's writings in Galatians because that's uh, the entirety of Galatians. When Paul is writing, he's addressing the sense of identity as believers who's like who who told you this you know i when i came to you i presented you this way and now somehow that has got compromised and even peter is putting on this hypocritical state because he's doing one thing and saying one thing and doing another and so in chapter five verse one he says listen this is this is what he says and um he says, you are to stand fast in the liberty that Christ has made it free and not in be entangled with the yoke of bondage again. And then in verse 13 and 14, um, you are called to liberty, but do not use that a kid, a liberty as an occasion to the flesh, but but love by, by love serve one another. Okay. Um, and so 
uh, if you you know, I I could do a full exegesis of the word there, you know. But what? It, but in essence, and, and I don't have the time to do it. But in essence, he's saying the idea that we have freedoms is not a bad thing, but it comes with restrictions. What those restrictions are, unfortunately, are subjective. Even Paul is subjective in what he says the restrictions are. When you go back and read his writings in First Corinthians chapter eight, and um, uh, First Corinthians eight, he talks about you know meeting and uh, now is touching uh, things to idols we know have been knowledge. Uh, what is it? What is it? Uh, but anyway, in chapter, if you go and you read, um, no, First uh, Corinthians chapter, talking about things, meats particularly has been sacrificed to idols, and how that may be offensive to others if they see you eating it, um, and they know it's been sacrificed to idols. And it may not be bothersome to you, but it can be bothersome and offensive to others. And in essence, he says, if it offends your brother, don't do it. Right? So when I'm talking about religious liberty, um, here in Mississippi, there's um, we so last year and the year before passed laws that dictate uh, religious freedom and in particular businesses having the uh the initiative to be able to say who they will and will not serve based on their religious preference. And we saw it uh on a national level with um with the chain, um the big chain. Um boy, I can't think of it. But you know, they're they're that big um sheesh. Anyway. This company filed, said that, look, our religious beliefs are intertwined and not interdependent of our business. Uh, the founders and the Chick-fil-A in particular, um, um, sheesh, it's going to come to me. Um, but th- there were businesses who say that our faith is not interdependent of our, our business. It's included in it. It's a part of it. It's you know, it's in the DNA of the business and the family. Therefore, we feel we will be violating our religious rights, our religious freedom by doing something that goes against our religious beliefs. Now, let me put this in perspective. At the federal level, you know, that's a whole different beast. Now, I'm just speaking from the perspective of a, a individual believer. How much freedom do you have to do what you do? Now, we know God's grace is sufficient, according to Paul, later on in chapter 12 of Second Corinthians, where he talks about um, that he was was uh, burdened with this this um, thorn in the flesh, messenger of Satan that buffeted him. Now he went to the Lord on three separate occasions, at least thrice. Um, we don't know does that mean what that means because it's very, very, you know, it, it's it's not clear. But thrice he went to the Lord, and thrice the Lord did not intervene on his behalf. And eventually the Lord spoke to him and said, "You know what? Don't worry about it. Fearing, I have given you, I have equipped you with grace to to live with it." And where you're weak, I'm strong because my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And we love to use that sometimes as our excuse scripture. That, well, you know, um, when I'm weak, <laughs> his strength is made perfect in my weakness. Also, in Romans chapter 7, where uh, where Paul seems to get a little dis- personal disclosure when he says that there are things that I want to do that I don't find myself doing and there are things I don't want to do that I find myself doing and um, you know it, it, it's a complex but Christ is the one who makes me complete and Christ is the one who fills in that gap and that void so the idea that the idea that we don't have 
restrictions is is somewhat of a fallacy. We do have restrictions. Paul letter is clear on that. Even Christ gives some clarity on that. You know, when Christ in John chapter uh, four with the woman at the well, and in John chapter eight with the woman caught in adultery, in both cases he does not condemn the women for their current estate. One is shacking up with a man. She's been divorced. At least she's had at least five husbands. And the person she was currently with was not a husband yet. God still, Jesus still ministered to her and empowered her to go and tell the other persons in the community where she was from about him. And with the woman called into adultery, while, while Christ may have condemned the act, he did not condemn the woman. I'm quite sure he condemned the act, even though it doesn't say he did. But, you know, being a Jewish teacher, he quite surely condemned the act. But he wrote, he writes something on the ground, and all of her accusers see whatever he's writing, and they drop their stones, and they walk away. And he asks her when she looks up and she sees no accusers, he says, well, where are they who accuse you? And they're not there. And he said, well, well, I don't accuse you either. Go and sin no more. When he heals people, he uses the words sins are forgiven and the the leaders, you know, the religious leaders of the day question that who what by what authority does he have to forgive sins? I mean, so he was he was implying that there is restrictions, yes. We don't just have the ability to do what we want to do just because we can't do it, although here in the States we do. <laughs> this is kinda of like the Christianity that we promote. The Christianity that we promote, and I grew up saying, once saved, always saved. You know, you you don't lose your salvation, and there's truth to that. You don't lose your salvation because it's a gift. Now, uh, the question is, you know, when we talk about salvation, we, we have to add in the component of Paul's writing about crown, you know. So we add in, well, you don't lose your salvation, but you might lose your crown. You might lose your reward. You may not get as much as you can, and a lot of people miss really use uh, the talents, the, the parable of the talents to misteach this. And so the, for years, you know, they've been teaching, you know, well, uh, you if, if if you might lose your salvation or you might lose the talent, God might take it away if you don't use it, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, again, that's stretching. There's a lot of eisegesis in that. Um but I'm not presenting a theological argument. I'm just trying to make a statement here. Uh, uh, I'm presenting an argument, but it's, it's you know I'm, I'm not trying to attach any theological um, underpinnings to it. But what what I'm really trying to present is the idea the idea of the subjectivity, just freedom, Christian freedom, behavior wise. Paul goes through a list in Galatians chapter five of you know the works of the flesh, and then he recants that recounts that again in Colossians and, and Ephesians. Uh, at least those who wrote, <laughs> uh, but that is reiterated. Works of the flesh, the lust of the flesh, and, and the author of John, First John, um, talks about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the lust of uh, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and those things. Now, when we talk about restriction. Restrictions being, and this is this is coming from me. And again, um, I'm not presenting a, a a sound theological argument. I'm not trying to. So I know some may listen and say, "Well, you didn't present it." I I can. I'm just not trying to. I'm, and if I if I do, I will go back. <laughs> you know, because I'm probably going to say a lot of stuff that that won't make sense. <laughs> we all do. I'll be the first to criticize myself for it. I really want to deal with the subjectivity of this because as human, the way we engage each other and the way we engage uh, the Lord are different. Um, I know a lot of people who are graced to have done a lot of bad stuff. I mean, they they have done a lot of bad stuff and stuff that should have, you know, the Lord should have taken them out of here for. And yet they seem to have had a fruitful, uh, long life. And then there are those who um, struggle to live holy, righteous, sanctified, and can't make a break. You know, times are always hard. Times are always tough. Life is always overbearing for them. Uh, 
and they still try to do their best to live to the utmost of God's expectations, whatever those expectations may be to them. And I, I've been there, you know, I call myself one to be super holy and sanctimonious at one time, and I, I found myself in those moments of trying to do that, um, setting myself for more failure, setting myself up for more failure, not just moral failures, but emotional failures, because it takes a lot. It takes a lot to emotionally to, you know, you have to repress so much. And the more you repress, we, we as psychologists, we understand that the more you repress, it gets expressed somewhere else. So you may repress, for example, you know, sexual uh, desire, you may have sexual desire physically. So you may not have the act of physical uh, sex, but it's transmitted somewhere else, you know. It's directed, that energy is directed somewhere else. And sometimes that could be productive. In, in a lot of cases it is, but oftentimes it also can be directed to another energy that is negative. And it could be your vice. It may not be a big vice, but it could be a, a small vice, like binge watching Netflix when you should be working. I'm not saying that I've done that, but I'm lying. <laughs> but Again, and yes, I am intentionally um, minimizing the argument. I am intentionally doing this because when we talk about freedom, religious freedom particularly, um, on the larger scale, at the macro level, at the macro level, we're talking about the entirety of religious spheres, those faiths. Um, and we cannot just negate that to just the Christian faith and say, well, the Christians should only be the, be the only ones who be, who have this particular um, freedom. We should be the only freedom ones be able to do this, 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 this. And within this constraint of Christianity, it should only be limited to this type. And within this, this type, it should only be list, you know, and you can see how it breaks down further and further and further. And when we do that, we actually, in my opinion, we do a great disservice because we, we, we take away from the free will that God has given us. And if God created us with a free will, and again, I know I'm getting off into a tangent argument that we can go on um, – <laughs> On and on about But here's the thing If God created us with a free will And if he is omniscient enough To know that those persons That he created with a free will Will make the decisions That go against his Divine sovereignty And yet he still issues And makes grace abound to them Why do we As individuals Place such emphasis On restrictions being a type 1 diabetic, I'm rest- I have restrictions. I'm not supposed to eat such stuff. You know, I'm not supposed to <laughs> – I'm supposed to be fully aware. I, I got to count my carbs, calories. I got to be – you know, there's restrictions. And those persons who with, with other illnesses, there may be restrictions with me- medications and stuff like that. You know, those restrictions are in place to help you, right, to make, to make you better. Within Christianity, those restrictions, that while they are while they are applicable in many ways, can also do the exact opposite. They can have the exact opposite because um, I think about going up, growing up, always being in the church, and I remember the back in the day when the Pentecostal and Kojic churches were really strict, where the the women did not wear. Did not wear pants at all, and some still do that. But back, you know, they've as time has progressed, they've become a little more liberal in that area. But I remember, I remember those were the freakiest girls. You know, <laughs> they were because of that restriction. Outwardly, they were portraying the good holy girl, but the dudes knew. And y'all don't if you want to present a counter argument, you fine, you can. But most guys knew that those girls, those good church girls, were some of the freakiest. Yeah, I like how I said that, but that's just 
the way it was. That restriction actually went, you know, caused them to <laughs> do more. And it wasn't just the Pentecostal girl. I'm just talking the church. I, I just be you know, church girls in general because some of the Baptist girls, like, even though they, well, in my church, they still had that restriction. <laughs> but so, you know, while we are in, while we are encouraged, as Paul writes, you know, we're encouraged to walk in liberty. We're encouraged to walk in freedom. But we also must take into account that those freedoms and those restrictions that we we have are not to be a means of us both sinning against our own self, our own body in the Lord, or causing someone else to sin. And that's that's challenging in a day like this, you know, especially when uh, I had to learn, for example, and being transparent, um, when when I go, I you know I'm in groups in Facebook, and my um, one group I'm in, nothing but fraternity brothers, and we share a lot of things in there, and I think about the the post, uh, the news on the military, where they were sharing. Uh, among themselves things that were inappropriate um but you know it was it wasn't inappropriate to them because you know it's just a god thing right but once it became news you know big big news it blew up in the military's face and same um and so i i had to learn from us like man you know some of the things that i'm doing um though innocent and though you know not really offensive to some those it may be offensive to others, and I have to take that in consideration. And and oftentimes I have not. Most times I haven't, <laughs> because I'm like, well, you know, it's it's enjoyable to me. So, you know, and I, I see this on Facebook quite Facebook quite a bit when people post things, and you know, people make other comments on their page. Or, you know, it's it's just ridiculous, and that's a tangent I don't even want to get into. But my my point is this. When we talk about restrictions, you know, how free are we really? And are there biblical limitations? We can infer, we can safely infer that Paul had a mindset that, yes, there are biblical limitations. When you read um, in chapter 7, you know, he particularly with how he thought women should be, you know, if you're a virgin, you know, remain a virgin. Be like me. You know, I, I, ain't, I ain't tapping nobody. You know, I'm all about the Lord and, you know. I think you should be the same way. And if you're married, you know, it's going to be hard, but you need to make decisions. Who's more important, you know? If you're married to an unbeliever, <laughs> husband or wife, you know, uh, do what you got to do to love the Lord, and hopefully they get converted because of you. But the reality is, you live in such a complex, you know, think about how complex it was there during that time in the first century church where the Roman Empire was promoting self-indulgence of all kinds, and you had an emperor uh, like Tiberius and Caligula and other Roman Empire emperors during this time, Nero, those guys who in, who openly indulged in, in in inappropriate behavior all the time and who were considered gods, and their behaviors were often tried to be imitated by the Roman elite. And Paul is putting forth this idea that you got to go against this this perspective. You got to go against this behavior. And you know, if you can live an ascetic life like myself and be committed to it, then go forth and do it. But if if you you find meat that's been sacrificed, if you take a drink that you're going to you know, and you're aware that there are others around you who are not as saved as you, and they may see you doing this, then don't do it. Don't let your pride get in the way of doing it. So that yes, there are restrictions, there are limitations, but it's actually free. Don't use those limitations as a means of condemnation. When you say yes, I understand my restrictions, and my restrictions, my limitations are empowering for me. You may not be on my level, but if you follow me as I follow Christ, you'll get to that level also. And by the time you get to that level, others will see you, and they'll want to follow you, imitate you as you imitate Christ, and like for like so, you know, so forth and so on. 
doesn't mean perfection. And, and while perfection and uh, sanctification and holiness are things that I believe we need to reintegrate into our preaching, I, I, I really do. You know, we need to get back to this idea that, yes, we are sanctified. We are set apart. We are to holiness. There should be a distinguishing factor for us as Christian believers that does not negate the reality of other person's beliefs or practices. But they should know and they should be able to distinguish us from them. And that should in turn reflect to a witness for Christ, and that witness for Christ should lead to a conversion to faith in Christ, and that's that's what this is about. That's what we're supposed to be about. And when we're about that thing, when we do that, we'll find less of ourselves being restricted, because those liberties then become freedoms. Those, those, I mean, those liberties then become ministries engaging others, and no longer just limitations about what we can and we can't do. Now, that's necessary, and, not, and particularly in the church today, we need it. We do need to have, I say, we do as as uh, as preachers, we need to state publicly: yes, there are things we can and can't do. Don't be going to the club every weekend and coming to church every Sunday morning, fresh from the club, knowing that you're really not repentant. You're coming more out of obligation than out of repentance. But at the same time, like, look, if you're going to go to the club, go to the club. Don't come to church on Sunday morning. You know, get your hangover off. <laughs> I know, I know that sounds crazy, but it's just the idea. You know, we want, we don't want to promote shame and guilt. Shame and guilt is not what Christ did. That's not what Christ promoted. Christ never promoted shame or guilt, but we want conviction, conviction of sin, and that's not our job. That's the Holy Spirit's job, according to John chapter fifteen, sixteen. That's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. To convict the world of sin. Our preaching should convict the world of sin. It should bring an awareness of the reality of our faith. And what Christ did. Christ gave up his liberty. Christ gave up all that he had. When you read in Paul's writing that he became like us. He gave up his liberty. He thought it not robbery to become equal like us, but made himself of no reputation, and he took upon himself the cross. So, man, I time has flown by. I'm glad time has flown by. It's amazing. So um, I got to cl- close this out. Listen, I want to make sure that you get a chance to listen to any archives so, so you can always do that. So you can go to uh, Zero Eye Network on Facebook, and you can see them there. You can click on the links there and listen. You can also go to... Um, Block Talk Radio and listen to archive shows. We've been doing this for the last seven years. God is gracious to do so. Visit my website, Lorenzo T. Neal. Order a copy of my book, A Breach in the Family. I got some more coming out, and um, we're going to do all we can, but we got to get out of here, man. Uh, it's been an amazing hour. It's going by so fast. Y'all pray for my brother. Pray for me. <laughs> pray for your brother, and I'll be praying for you, but until then, this is Pastor Lorenzo Neal. I'm getting out of here. God bless you. God keep you until next week or whenever it is. I'm out.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.